Okay, everybody, let's take it from the top. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Hi-ho, everybody, and welcome back to D Plus Us, the show where we talk about all things Disney. I'm one of your hosts, Griffin Tano, Griffin D-Pad, and with me, as always, is the wonderful, the amazing, the fantastic, Mr. Mitch George. How's it going? Michael Giacchino for Blade. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, dude, this was, this was amazing, but we are not alone. Of course, this is a show where we have guests, and we have a fantastic one today. Nathan, how are you doing? Hey, I'm back. You are back. Welcome we did back. this before. Happy was there singing? Was there singing in this thing we watched today? There was some great music. Yes. Was Last story? time I was here, we did West Side Story. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. that was you? Yeah. All right, I'm done. Y'all have fun. <laughs> no, this is, I hopefully this is going to be a much more positive episode than that one was. Now, we are talking about Werewolf by Night, Marvel's first ever Marvel Studios special presentation. This, I let me get through that. I want to talk, I want to rave and review this because I did rig them a roll off the top and then we will deep dive. We will rig them a roll. Remember, folks, that you can find our show here at D Plus Us, and we also do a weekly show, D Plus Us Weekly, talking about shows coming out. We are going to be wrapping up She Hulk here soon. Uh, and we are also currently talking about Andor every three weeks, so go check those out. Um, remember, though, also, if you enjoy the show, like and subscribe to the show on podcast services and whatnot. I think it's subscribe. I don't know what it is anymore on podcast stuff. Depends on your platform. Do do whatever you can do Just, where you hear this in your ear holes, and we are very much appreciative of all of that. Follow us, like the things, do the things, tell your grandma about our show. What's the, Just want a league of grandmas listening to our show. That would just be funny. Um now, the big one, though, folks, is if you could review the show, that would be super helpful for us. It does get us to more people, and we would love to see what y'all think about the show. Now, let's talk about the details specifically of Werewolf by Night before we talk about how much we enjoyed it and slash or hated it. I don't think any of us hated it. Um, this was directed by Michael Giacchino, as we said, who has done their direct his directorial debut, done a ton of music, also did the music for this. Absolutely killed it. Starring Gail Garcia Bernal as Jack Russell, uh, aka Werewolf by Night. Yes, Mitch. Uh, the only thing I will say is this is not this is Michael Giacchino's feature directorial debut. He does have a number of short films that he's directed in the past, so it's not his first foray feature. behind the camera. But he, yeah, this is uh, something very very special for to be a a mainstream debut. We can call it. Uh, yeah, so Geographia Bernal as Jack Russell, Laura Donnelly as Elsa Bloodstone, and Harriet Sansom Harris as Verusa Bloodstone, uh, Elsa's stepmom. Uh, we got a runtime of 53 minutes, and of course it was released on October 7th. Nathan, you are our guest, so I want to start with you. What did you think of Werewolf by Night? So, I really liked it. It was a quick, like not much longer than a typical TV show. Um, I thought the story was interesting, not quite where I thought it was going to go. In fact, I would argue that maybe could have done with a little extra length. Um, but overall, I was really, really positive on it. And I'm more curious to see what future special presentations look like because of this. Well, we do know that the next Marvel Studios special presentation, as confirmed on Twitter by James Gunn, will be the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special this holiday. So we'll, we'll, it'll be very exciting to see how that romp through space 
uh, involving Christmas timey things uh, is handled by James Gunn and company. But yeah, it will be cool to see what, how they use this format essentially moving forward. And I'm, I'm very excited, like, like you, Nathan, to see kind of where it, where it goes. Yeah, this is was definitely interesting one, both being kind of, you know, this year's Halloween special, but also being the first mm-hmm. special presentation. I think it really shows what these can do. Like, this is wildly unique with it. It's a fantastic ode to old school Universal monster films, which are some of my favorites. I have gone back, though, and started watching some of them because of watching Werewolf by Night. It really helps... Well, it- I feel like this feels to me like the one shots, like the old one shots. Like this is where we can be weird. Mm-hmm. This is where it can be wacky, but it's still canon. It's still within the Marvel universe. Well, it, it, it does something so different, right? Like that's the, that's the thing that people are focused so heavily on is it's black and white and it's twofold. Why they did that. They did it for one reason to make it feel like an old timey forties, fifties monster film, as opposed to your typical modern like when you think horror and when they gave it the horror designation in disney plus you think you know really really like you think the worst of the worst when it comes to that sort of thing if you think modern horror projects but they definitely took a cue out of classic horror films and and focused on that and the black and white motif lent itself to that very well but it also helped them avoid a tvma rating which i think was the bigger objective there Mm. where this is one of the few marvel productions rated tv 14 because it's gory much gorier, much more blood than I expected us to see. Like, there are some gruesome deaths, but I feel like it being black and white, they were able to get away with more than if it were in color. Yeah, Marvel has proven that they're really good about, like, bending that line. Like, the one I'll always go to is in Multiverse of Madness when one is covered in oil, but it's, like, it so clearly looks black. like blood. <laughs> like, they're really good at bending that, and I do think they did a good job here. But they also, they use that black and white so well. Like, the one that stands out is the actual fight scene after uh, after Jack is turned. It is just beautiful watching him come in and out of the shadows, using that lighting, seeing the what the light just barely reflect off of his eyes. Or, of course, the I shot with the door closing. Sec- yeah, I noticed that on my second viewing, and I was just like, oh my god, this is just, it's so well shot. It uses these modern movie tools, but with a vintage motif to them which i think was just beautifully beautifully done yeah yeah i really like the black and white um i think too like it like the way it wasn't completely black and white like the bloodstone was actually started to get red as soon as jack walked into the room and they kind of had that just as like this one like colored point i thought was really interesting throughout the throughout the thing yeah i think i think it being black and white adds such it adds much more gravitas to the bloodstone and then the inevitable transition from black and white into color at the end of the special um also for those who have gotten to this point obviously full spoilers now for the mcu marvel comics and this thing um because that is kind of where we get to in in these we have to these talks so (laughs) otherwise the show would be like 15 minutes long yeah warning you now that this is going to get spoilery um, so yeah, any of the transitions or uses of color become that much more impactful because of how heavily it leans into this old school black and white motif to the point where there are cigarette burns in the production, which for those who don't know, like in old school films, when they had to splice two film reels together, they they would have what was referred to as a cigarette burn, which is essentially this just like white spot where they had to like actually like 
mend the two pieces of film together to get it to play on the reel. And like those little touches just lend itself so well mm-hmm. to like, this is a, it's an homage to those four films in the forties and fifties. And I thought it was just so, so great. With that, like we talked, you talked a little bit about the transition there. And I want to go back to that. Cause that was like a great moment to me, just in terms of filmmaking of it. Very, you felt the relief of the night being over of the conflict is done. And now we're going to just see where we are. Elsa's in her has her stone. She is in charge now. Bloodstone Manor. Ted and Jack are off. We'll talk. We'll talk for in a later about how this romantic sushi. Like you felt like the ease and the transition into like everything's okay. We we're jovial again. Like we survived the night, and I loved that so much. Mm -hmm. But we also mentioned that old school stuff. We gotta talk about the opening. Like, one of the best uses so far of that Marvel Studios stinger. That scream with the wolf claw marks. When that transition from color into black and white is just so cool at the beginning there. And then the horror version of the Marvel theme. Yeah, the, yeah, oh man. That whole intro to the 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 narration and talking, oh yeah, in this world of heroes, there are monsters. And it really sets the sets the groundwork for oh yeah we've been talking about marvel heroes for the last 15 years by the way there's a whole bunch of weird creepy shit that happens behind the scenes you don't really know about yep yeah i feel like we i feel like we're doing that we've done that a little too much in marvel like there's all there's like a thousand secret societies at this point within the mcu so i'm a little sick of this trope but it's the easiest way to show people and they i think they did do a decent happy decent job of explaining hey the bloodstone was keeping Ulysses alive. There's always been this secret grouping of monster uh, monster hunters. It all it also doesn't help that we're getting this secret society coming together to decide the um, future of the bloodstone at the same time that we're having the conversations of will they or won't they use the intelligentsia in the MCU the way they do in the comics? Is that what they're building towards in She-Hulk, or is mm. it just a one-off thing? So like I can see that becoming more and more. Like it, we've just seen a lot of it really quickly within the MCU. So I think that's part of it as well. Um, so hopefully we do get a little more of the, you know, individual stories and less about the, oh yeah, let's just use this as an excuse to get together a group of characters to, you know, kill 90% of them. Let's talk well, about the intelligence. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, the intelligentsia is, I think, leading to Captain America 4. That's been my theory the whole way through our She-Hulk episodes, which you can go and listen to on the podcast feed mm-hmm. right before this. And then after this, you should get the finale one if you're looking at the order of things. Yeah, I think that's how that works. I, I don't know timing and whatnot. It depends on when things get edited and posted, but it should yeah. be around here. They're all they're all around here. Depends when so I yeah, have that's... the time to actually sit down and edit. But no, I want to <laughs> exactly. talk about the character, the actual, like the three main characters of this this um, presentation of it being Werewolf of My Night, Elsa Bloodstone, and Man-Thing. Three characters that are, like, wildly weird, but extremely important to monsters in, the, in like, Marvel Universe. It was... Yeah, Man-Thing especially. Like, there is so much backstory there into who Man-Thing is and connections to things like Mount Wondergore and all of that as well. Like, it's, it's crazy like... how deep... Ted's ties run in the MCU the or just in Marvel in general. What's great about this and the reason I really love Man-Thing being here is like within comics lore, he is the 
protector of the nexus of all realities like a gateway into the multiverse which is like just wildly cool but also they kept that a secret the moment that dude showed up i popped off it was awesome there was like one shot there was like one frame in the trailer that had him like oh yeah Yeah. man things in this all right cool yeah i didn't watch all that trailer so good good call honestly i gotta stop watching so many damn trailers it was just and then the breakdowns from the trailers Oh, yeah, yeah, I refuse to watch those now because I'm like, I know that they're going to get it right at this point. I can't I can't have that that much spoiled for me. But Man-Thing is just such, I really thought this one was interesting. And what was nice about this is Werewolf by Night and Man-Thing aren't two characters like I'm super familiar with. Like, whenever we talk Marvel Comics, I am the comics guy. I read way too many of these things. This set me into such a deep research hole about these characters. To learn that there's a ton about them and also absolutely nothing. Like, Werewolf by Night is a character, Jack Russell specifically, is a character who's practically been forgotten about within within Marvel canon. Like, he's there yeah. somewhere, but he's chilling. Like, we had a Werewolf by Night series last year, I think, or maybe a couple years ago. And it's not yeah. Jack Russell. It's somebody entirely different. And it's still its own great story, but it's not Jack. I, I do want to say too the the connection to Mount Wondergore and, and Darkhold and stuff that wasn't man thing that's actually Jack Russell's werewolf by night so like there's such a deep relationship to a lot of the weird mystical stuff we've been seeing in the MCU to this point with Agatha and Wanda and, and Mount Wondergore and all that stuff that I wonder if there's something there in the future maybe this is something to explore in Agatha House of, or no what's it called no, it's not House of Harkness it's something else I don't know no. Uh, I had the MCU thing open and then I closed it and I shouldn't have. I should always have that open. Right. I feel like we talk about the future enough where we should just keep that as like our... It should just be a tab in my browser alongside the 2022 in video games retrospective. Uh, I I think it's the Coven of something. Is it Coven of Chaos Chaos. now? Yeah, Coven of Chaos. Whatever they renamed it to. There's so much happening. Like, There's still a Nova series in production and a Wonder Man series that they haven't even talked about. Like... Uh, there's so much going. Coven of Chaos is the new name of it. Yes, the original name was House of Harkness. Kind of like House of Harkness a little bit more. Yeah, same. But okay, so I, I read, I found a theory on TikTok. I don't know if we want to talk about it because it's more related to She-Hulk than this. Or is it yes. distilled? I'm, I'm, I'm dipping my toe into TikTok to see if it triggers my anxiety again. So I, yes, I am back on TikTok in a very casual sense. So you won't, ex- don't expect Instagrams from me. You'll get TikToks again. Oh, yeah. Um, but there is a theory going around that Nikki is actually a witch. Uh, this theory again. Because she does break the fourth wall in the latest episode and is wearing a pentagram. So maybe there's a connection to Agatha in there somewhere. I don't know. But the fact that they're now calling it Coven of Chaos and not House of Harkness makes me think there are more witches involved in other parts of the MCU that we just aren't from, we aren't aware of. Oh, absolutely. And maybe there's witches involved here. Maybe Elsa's involved in that story in some way, shape, or form. We don't know. We will have to wait and see. Look, all I want Do you think is Madison want... might be one? Sorry? Madison? That would be hilarious. Uh, two ends and a Y, but not where you think. That would be the ultimate turn, that she's actually orchestrating all of this for Agatha. Right. She's Mephisto. No, at this point, like, all I want is I want, at least in relation to Werewolf by Night, I want more Elsa Bloodstone so bad. 
Yeah. Yeah. All I want yeah. from yeah. her, I just want to see the dual shotguns on her back. Like the greatest, like five seconds to explain who Elsa Bloodstone is. And I swear, I'm not kidding. Is in Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. It's game. a really good introduction to the character because I knew nothing about the character before playing that game. Like you learn all you need to know, which is that she's a mon- badass monster hunter and that she's British. Yeah. The, the only thing that game doesn't do is that she curses a lot. And that's kind of her thing. It's wondering now, knowing that Blade has been put on hold, if they find some way to weave her character story into Blades. Well, Blade was... There was a whole thing of Blade being in this short. Yeah. It's one yeah. of those rumor. It was a, yeah, it was technically a rumor, but like a I think rumor there were there were rumors that Mahershala by... Ali was like he was on set but it got yeah. cut from the short. Yeah, it was there was rumors followed up by like he is on set. He is there doing this thing. Like Yeah. He he seems like he would have been a natural fit as one of the monster hunters. Oh yeah. Yeah. But that would have been yeah. a weird way to introduce a character as important to the MC future of the monster side of the mcu like blade That's like that would have been a like that place. would have been a i don't know i think it would have been a good introduction like here's a little short with him expect like you, you throw a teaser at the end or something like, i would have expected um, another tease at the end kind of similar to the uh end credit scene in eternals the hercules one no in eternals where he's like it's the voice blade. of him yeah or like it's just like oh, a, yeah, a yeah. tiny little tease about this guy of like you don't yeah. need to know a ton to know it's blade but you know it's Blade. I mean, they're building something. They they've got they're they're building to Blade. We've got the Black Knight build that we got in Eternals. You've now got Werewolf by Night, Man Thing, and Elsa Bloodstone running around the MCU, causing uh, ruckus and such. So like, they are really. I honestly like. There are rumors now for the next Spider-Man film that it's going to be more street level and it's going to deal with the ramifications of Daredevil: Born Again, which I think is a great direction to go with that character but like no i want i want like weird i want like i don't want to say morbius because we we know what morbius has done just in general but like i want like man bat give me man bat and have that Um, man bat's dc DC character no which one's the dc which one's the which one's the marvel one there was a marvel one too wasn't there that isn't Uh, morbius are you there i guess there yeah, there is a man bat in Marvel, but it's not the same. I think thing. when I think man bat, it's I'm always thinking? DC. Oh, I think the DC one is the one that I'm thinking of. But like, I want some weird spooky thing that Spider-Man can deal with and then Blade just shows up. Because like, that would be spot. cool. Let's bring in the spot. Or like have, uh, have, it, be, have it be like the weird Spider-Man becomes an actual spider thing that would be funny here's the sad thing about that idea is that we're never going to get the spot in the mcu because the spot's going to be in uh the next spider-verse movie oh so we are yeah we are getting spot oh that's right yeah he's the main villain of this which honestly is a great call having that character be animated just say it i just yeah i remember him from the 90s cartoon look if they can do a live action polka dot man they can do a live action i mean the spot honestly makes makes way more sense than polka dot man, so polka dot man is great let's not be smirched polka dot man hey he that awesome. suicide squad movie was was pretty good yeah i love that movie um bring it back in i think we talked to death like, though we love this this is very interesting before we jump into the plot and whatnot and we of course we will i kind of want to know what you guys think though of, like 
the future of these special presentations because they're saying that they're not just doing holiday specials and stuff. They are going to give characters chances of like weird shit to happen and whatnot with these. I guess with that, I want to know like what are some things that you guys would actually like really think are good storytelling things in this? Because I would love to see stuff like weird crossover stuff within this. Like that is those weird Marvel one shots that you'll see out in comic land. Like I think that this could be really interesting storytelling for stuff like that. I mean, I know the one I want, and it would make sense as a seasonal thing if it's not specifically a holiday special. Give me Robbie Reyes. Give give me Ghost Rider. I want Ghost Rider so bad. I think that like give me like uh like um a Robert Rodriguez directed style of like like oh what's like like the pop machinima stuff like that they did around like. Once upon a time in Mexico, stuff like that. Give me that, but Robbie Reyes is Ghost Rider. I think that would be dope. So I think that would be cool. Also, who's Robbie Reyes? All all I know is Johnny Blaze. Uh, Car. Robbie Reyes is the better Ghost Rider. Much more interesting. Really? Johnny Blaze is not an interesting character. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, like not. Robbie's whole thing is that he's doing this, like he's trying to keep his family safe and and all of this stuff. Like, there's a whole brother component to it as well trying to keep him out of trouble and like giving himself over to save his brother it's uh it it's really it's actually surprisingly well explored in agents of shield which is why i don't think they'll go back to it just like all that soon but i just mm-hmm. i want more i want ghost Rider the mcu that's all i want and i don't right. want it to just be a nicholas cage cameo in secret wars i want full-fledged ghost Rider in the mcu because i do think that nicholas cage cameo is happening yeah, so I, I got, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. You go. I was throw um, more ideas. I, I've got two requests. Number one, we can use this to fill in time holes of stuff that we maybe want more information on um, because you get a definite beginning and end point. And I'd like to see what happened with Red Skull after he was transported away in the end of Captain America. The first Avenger to leading to Infinity, Infinity War? Yeah, Infinity yeah, War. Yeah, yeah. So just to, like, you can use this to show, like, that, like, a quick, like, hey, here's what happened to that character. But more importantly, and I don't think this will happen until we get mutants, but I want Alpha Flight. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, Alpha Flight is such a great, great group. And now I'm going to let the Canadian go. Yes, I, I thought of I thought of a better one, and it it, it ties into what we've been seeing with She-Hulk. All right, go for it. Give, give me, give me the gap, like that five-year gap. Give me the blip, but it is a mockumentary-style. Um, um, what was the? It, what was the? Uh, the team that Speedball was on, and then they kicked off Civil War. The New Warriors. new Warriors. Yeah, give me a New Warriors mockumentary-style yeah. thing where they're like doing it during the blip, or just give me Great Lakes Avengers because I want to see more of Mister. Finally, Immortal. get them. Yeah. God, we talked about the Great Lakes Avengers a lot. <laughs> for the Great I mean, you Lakes say that Avengers. like it's a bad thing. No, it's just one of those ones that we have this weird obsession with them. Ooh, or what if they did like, what if they rebooted Jessica Jones in the MCU as a, a special presentation, but it was like a noir style detective film. So one of the ones I wanted was something like that, but more than that, I want Heroes for Hire. That was the next one I was I going Heroes to. I want Heroes for Hire so so badly because like i love those characters and those characters are amazing 
and are not done justice in the Netflix stuff. Like they're still like at least Luke Cage is still pretty good, but like yeah, Iron Fist I, is Iron a great Fist character, is... and they ruined him. <laughs> like, and, and I think if you concentrate that into like an hour, hour and a half special presentation, you'll get more out of those characters than trying to spread that across three 10 hour seasons right do you recreate or do you recast the like you don't recast iron fist but do you recast no uh, you, you recast do, I think you, you do, do recast, recast iron fist you do yeah sorry do yes yeah. yeah you you don't sorry i'm mixing my words up no no you're yeah. good you're good i think we we've kind of come to an agreement but i think the one marvel's pres special presentation that we all need is especially with the infinity saga having wrapped up and now we're into the multiverse saga we all want a MCU recap special presentation narrated by Luis, right? Like that's the only thing that I want. And this format makes perfect sense for it. To go back uh, with Mike Coulter as Luke Cage. No, I, I think they need to bring him back. I think they need to bring him back. I'm just skipping over Mitch for a second. That guy was Wait, so cool. Yes? It's fine. No, I do think Luis's recap would be fantastic. I just want to wrap one thing up before jumping into that. No, that's fine. Yeah, I do think Luke Cage should stay that actor. I think he did a great job. But mm -hmm. I really liked me. him as that character. Mm -hmm. I no, but Louise's recap is a thing of like we're getting that at some point. We have to get have that to, at some right? point. That's Ant Man, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. Michael the character Bain's in Ant Man. Character in yeah, Ant -Man. Like, yeah. Okay, yes, they'll probably do that in Quantum. I mean, he'll. Well, I was thinking it would make sense. It would make sense as like a Marvel one shot for Quantum, but. Just Mark my do, words. Do, prediction do now for Ant-Man. Louise will not have blipped. Uh, we are going to get a recap of those five years. From Louise. To, to like Scott like from Louise. Yeah, it's going to be like two minutes. It's um, be two minutes long. Another one I want to throw out there just as an idea is I want so badly the Kevin Smith animated Howard the Duck idea. Like this That'd was be great. This was supposed to be a series. They were supposed to do this. Uh, and he wanted he actually wanted to use Werewolf by Night. Um, yeah, I want this to come back. I want this to be a thing. I also just like want us to have Howard the Duck more. Like it's such a dumb, stupid character that is in the MCU, and we need more of it. I wonder if this format also lends itself well to exploring more of the aftermath of Thor: Love and Thunder and understanding the character of Hercules, right? Because we already yeah. we don't know where Brett Goldstein is going to pop back up as Hercules. Maybe this format makes sense for that as well, of him going on this weird Earth adventure to try and find Thor, and he's just not around, and he does weird Hercules stuff on Earth. I, I was going to say, um, like, this would be a good vehicle to have, like, a quick one-hour Kane spot. Yeah. Maybe even not right history, away. The history of Kang's. The history of Kane's or something, and like it, because there's gonna be a lot of people who we saw him at the end of Loki. We will see him in Quantum Mania. It's Quantum Mania. I said Quantum versus uh, earlier Quantum Mania, but it'd be really it's cool to like. Fine. Well, it'd be really great to see like where he's been lurking while all this is going on, and kind of showing history going around him from his perspective to introduce him to the, like to an audience. Yeah, it would definitely be interesting. Especially leading up to, uh, was it Kang Dynasty? Yeah, the Kang Dynasty. Um, they have I feel a like that film is going to do that to an extent. They've got though. a plan for thing. Kang, and I'm very interested to see what it is, whether it incorporates either and whatnot. But also just have, seeing have you... some of the uh, some just seeing some of the pictures right recently of Jonathan Majors as he's beefing up for Creed Three. Oh, Paul Rudd, I love you. 
I love you so much. Ant Man's gonna die. Ant Man gonna lose. Have you have, have either of you seen the leaked uh, trailer footage? I, I have. Yes. For Quantumania. No, no I. Oh, not. it's. It's he cool. is going to be a presence. I am so ready for just more of Jonathan Majors in that, more of Jonathan Majors in Loki, more of Jonathan Majors in Avengers. Hell, put Jonathan Majors in Howard the Duck. It'll make it more watchable. I'm just going to say about Howard the Duck, we already have a great Howard the Duck film that exists. Great the in the stretch. From my childhood, it's a great movie. They also made a man. They also made a a man thing film like ten years ago, and no one talks about that for a reason. There's a reason people don't talk about that Howard the Duck movie. It's really good. So here's something kind of interesting, like of those going back a little bit. I'm bringing this back into Werewolf by Night. Um, good idea, because we have we kind of have to. Uh, Werewolf by Night has they've been trying to make this shit since 2001. Yeah, it's been one of the works no. for so long, and like it's bounced between so many different ideas and whatnot. I'm so happy that it's finally just out and here and whatnot. And we'll see what the future of it is. We could never see these characters again, but just having this and having it here is something that's wildly special. I just, mm-hmm. I just didn't want a moment to recognize that because it is just—it's shocking that we got Werewolf by freaking night. Well, it, it, it does feel like they're setting up for more. Like, they're setting up spooky MCU stuff, which I'm all about. Like, dealing with more of the... Not even the the spookier elements of looking at, like, vampires and Blade and and this stuff, but just, like, the more supernatural elements of the MCU. You look at characters like White Tiger, who has this totem that gives her tiger powers, or other characters like that that I can't think of off the top of my head. You look at, like, maybe a character like Kazar, or the Savage Land, exploring the Savage Land is a good vehicle for these special presentations. That would be cool if you get like a, a Prey-style film that's just Kazar trying to survive the Savage Land or something. Like that could be really, really cool. Yeah, get that right before uh, Secret Invasion so that we can have yeah. the, secret, the, the trademark like Secret Invasion shot. We won't get that. I, this is going to be a different I need invasion. Deadpool riding a pterodactyl at some point in the MCU and I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, lo- let's go ahead and jump towards the plot because... As awesome and as fun as this was, the plot could take us approximately five minutes to explain. There's plot to this? There was, in fact, plot to this. There was just Flaming Tuba Man. Look, Flaming Tuba Man, standout performance, MVP. Um, Do you know the story there? Like, that, like that's, I think his name's Dan Stevenson. He's a director and producer on The Simpsons. And he just goes to Burning Man with a flaming tuba. So they just got him to do this. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, no, but honestly, talking about that tuba... Oh, man, we're not getting into the plot. Um, no, I'm sorry. I derailed this a lot. Sorry, David Silverman. Honestly, totally off. no, you haven't derailed. You've brought me to a point that I forgot that I wanted to talk about, which is the sound of this. Oh, short. yeah. Of yeah. like Michael Giacchino, like being a composer, like built this from the ground up thinking about sound. And that tuba is the best example of it. Of like mm-hmm. seeing it was the first time I think it's Jack goes first going off in there. Jack, yeah, Jack but pulls the. You the still first hear straw it, hearing it in the background and like the moments of silence. It's all just done so well. Yeah, I I think having a compose like Michael G. Kuhn is one of my favorite composers. Just he's done so many very very good film scores at this point that. I would get if he says he wanted to, to direct or compose. I'm just like, yeah, do your thing. We'll see you in five to ten, you know, weeks after you've come up with a, a pitch or whatever it is. Because 
at this point, I feel like he can do no wrong. Um, and just this feels designed around sound the same way the first Guardians or the Guardians of the Galaxy films have been designed around music of the sound design here is so important to the uh, just the the present the overall presentation every sound cue is damn near perfect in this entire special presentation it keeps you on edge and it's not a very like it's a classical horror film so it's not about jump scares and, and freaking out but like some of those cues do send a shiver down your spine they do keep you on edge and it's a very very cool that they were able to walk this fine line of creating a classic horror thing i mean i don't it's not a film it's not a short it's not a tv i don't know what special product production we'll just call it a production they have this horror production within the vein of the mcu that still feels like the mcu there are those jokes in there there's the whole thing with the explosive it feels very mcu but it does still have that same it it, it has this these tense moments that is only deliverable by the phenomenal sound design that we got throughout this whole thing so i'm i'm very very happy with how this whole thing turned out yeah how'd you guys uh how'd you guys feel about the fight choreography in it like i know i talked about the actual werewolf fight but we got a lot more fights than just that one mm. i i have one issue it's that there's the that first fight with elsa and the dude whose arm she chops joven off. Joven. No, no the Joven. one or no 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 it is the fight with Joven. It's not the fight. guy who's it's not the guy whose arm she chopped off. Where she does the black widow spinny flip thing, but instead of doing it around his head, where the center of gravity would be higher and make it easier to get his own weight behind him, she does it around his waist. And I just I, the the physics there don't make sense of like scissor kick to the waist was able to bring this big guy down. I'm just like, either that doesn't work or her lower body strength is just like her core is just through the roof. Because I, I don't like, understand how that works physically. This is universe I still enjoy all of the fights. That, that, being, that being fair. I was going to say, well, this is a superhero universe, man. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't have her superpowers until after she gets the stone. Physics don't mean shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now, I, I liked the choreography for the fight choreography for the werewolf stuff. I thought that was super cool and really unique. Honestly, the normal fights were kind of hit or miss for me. I liked that initial one. I didn't love... I really loved the one where she slits the guy's throat on his own freaking sword. The other one's yeah. like... The other one against... The second fight against the axe guy was kind of hit or miss. And then the, the death of the axe guy is the greatest moment for me. When... When he just gets evaporated. The Ted just shows Ted. up. Either that uh, I, or I think, the stepmom. I mean, that, that fight with Leorn as well, the, the guy whose arm she chops off and then uses his hand to shoot an arrow through his throat while she then has to muffle his dying breath so that they aren't mm -hmm. discovered is some of the most grim stuff we've seen in the MCU thus far. Yet it's still got a TV-14 rating, so kudos to you, Marvel, for navigating that tightrope. They just did just um, enough to cover, the, uh, cover the, the actual slit so that they can't see it. The only thing I want to call out is from a fight choreography perspective, the hallway fight, whatever you want to call it, with the werewolf taking out all these guards and the door is slowly closing, oh, removing so all of the light from the scene is just, it's so beautifully shot. And you've got the blood splatter against the, the lens as well. Like it makes it feel so real. It's just, oh, it's so good. So good. Dude, those, the guards just were not ready for that. He warned them. <laughs> he said, you're not going to like this. And he was right. 
Also, dude, with those I, guards, I thought for sure they were going to be TVA agents. I thought for sure. Okay, I was just about to say that. They look Everyone like TVA did. agents. The they even, like, even their weapon is practically the TVA agent's weapon. <laughs> like, it's so... I find it hilarious. Like, they totally bait and switched us there. Like, when I saw the trailer, because you see these guards in the trailer, and part of that, I think, hallway fight scene is in the trailer for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, they're like this is like an alternate universe and the TVA is coming in to trim it or like whatever term they used when they delete reality or something or one of the siphons. And I was like, Oh, that's super cool. But then, no, it's just, I, I would like more story with them. I think like for me, um, the fights were amazing. Um, I really liked how like the blood was spraying out in different places. And like you had that more practical effect versus it being digital. Yeah, that, that was one thing I wanted to ask you guys is for future appearances of Werewolf by Night, and this is going to actually harken back to a little bit, a little bit of our conversation around Daredevil and She-Hulk. Do you see them going less practical with the fight choreography and with the design of the character itself? Like that was a practical effect, mm-hmm. but in live action with color, it might not present as well on screen as say digital effects or digital enhancement of the fight choreography or whatever that's going to look like. So do you feel like they're going to lean more into the special effects side of things for future appearances of werewolf by night? Or do you think they're going to stay practical and grounded with the character? I think it depends on where he's going to be. Yeah. Like if they do, let's just say we get a, let's just say it's a man thing special next time. I can see them doing the practical effects and then using, using CG for his transformation. Like I can see Mm -hmm. that, being as far as they go for that in something like secret wars because yes, he's probably going to pop up he is absolutely going to be, gonna be going cg on. yeah like yeah. i don't think it, there's even any question about that and i'm totally okay with that like he is a werewolf we can make that look good do you think as well maybe for an inevitable i i feel like ted is the highlight of this whole this whole special presentation there, there's going to be calls for a man thing origin or something to do with that. And I think Ted's origin in the MCU could lend itself well to some of the other stories they may want to tell. Um, do you think that they go for a similar style when they inevitably get to that? Or do you think it's something where they don't, maybe they stay away from it because they don't want to ruin the magic that they have with Ted as man thing and have to introduce, oh yeah, here's, Dr. Ted, who did some weird biochemistry and fell into a swamp and messed his whole life up. I, uh, here, like, here's the thing, like, the man thing is always interesting because you knew who exactly who he was and, like, his backstory is, if you don't know it, is kind of a mystery, so you kind of have that element. I do really, really like that. But Marvel very much, very, very much feels like lately errors on the side of giving too much detail about characters. So I do think we'll eventually see Man-Thing's origins, but frankly, I would hope we don't. I hope we, yeah. I would love to just get hints at it, yeah. like in whatever Doctor Strange 3 is going to be, because we know we're, we have to be getting another Doctor Strange after the cliffhanger in Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Or at least just some crossover between Man-Thing and America Chavez, because like that mm-hmm. seems inevitable at this point with how important both characters are to the multiverse. Or even yeah. with someone like AIM or anyone, really. Like, yeah. Man Thing is a staple character within Marvel, and I love it, but he is very much a character that just pops up for a little bit and then goes off and does his own thing. Maybe a Man Thing origin is a way to get Guy Pierce back in the MCU for one more uh, 
one more thing. Or no, no, not Guy Pierce. Who played Aldridge Killian in Iron Man 3? What's that actor's name? I thought it was Guy Pierce. I think oh, it was I. Guy Pierce. But you guys looked at me really funny. I'm like, that wasn't the right name, was it? Uh, no, I was trying to remember no, who was Guy, Guy Pierce. Pierce played. Oh, it thank God. Pierce. Oh, thank no, God. My, my yeah, weird maybe, look was maybe, for you bringing back Aldrich Killian. Look, maybe the origin of Man-Thing is related to AIM, and that's a way to bring back who is one of my favorite characters from the Iron Man franchise in Aldrich Killian. I thought he was a, a, a fun character to have around, and I think we didn't get enough of him in that. That Oh, yeah, if you're doing a Man-Thing origin and you involve AIM, it's a way to get Aldrich back, which would be cool. The thing about a Man-Thing anything really is that you can't have the main character be man thing no. yeah and it I, needs to be a side who just pops up mm -hmm. or frankly an antagonist i would love to see him as an antagonist to it like let's get that story that antagonists are not villains didn't they, they just do that with um swamp thing though for dc i did not watch swamp thing <laughs> i didn't watch it Look. but i believe that like it, it, it like they did do a Swamp Thing series that was basically that, right? Where Swamp Thing was the antagonist. Dude, Swamp Thing and Man Thing have been practically the same character for years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Swamp Thing was actually supposed to be pretty good. The TV show. Yeah, I never watched it. Um, it's in the same line as uh, Doom Patrol and Titans, I believe. Yeah, I fell off of Titans after like half of season two. Man, Julie lasted longer than I did. I want to go back to that one, though. No, I think no, I want to wait. I'm just waiting for season three of Harley Quinn to wrap up so I can buy that on Apple TV because it's not available to stream anywhere realistically in Canada. Yep. If <laughs> whoa, random cop out of nowhere. Um, it happens. No, I think um, if we see any more of these characters, I think the most likely character to see is also Bloodstone. I, I agree. That I think that's the easiest of these three characters too. Center it it's the easiest that. one to weave into whatever this narrative they're trying to tell with Blade and the Black Knight and, and all this stuff that's happening in the rest of the MCU. So I would agree with you there. Yeah, the same we should time, probably get to the plot. Uh, yeah. The plot, <laughs> I guess the plot's going to take five minutes. Um, I do see, though, like, I very much do see the future of the MCU being very related to Man-Thing. With the multiversal stuff happening, with, like, everything that's coming down the pike, Man-Thing is going to be here in some regard. Like he kind of he has to be. It, Could they it's not, not that just he has to be, but it would it would be disappointing if he wasn't. Because you've introduced this character that is now a fan favorite character because he's just so likable in this weird one off role of him exploding people's heads, but still being very you know puppy dog like. Um, knowing the origin of the man thing could add to that, but it could also be, oh yeah, man thing's just really important, and they explained it in ten minutes like they did with America Chavez, and now he's a central figure in Kang Dynasty or. Secret Wars or something. Yeah, it's um, I don't know where they're gonna take this character, but there's a lot of directions they can. <laughs> okay, let's finally talk plot. Um, yeah, this is a very short plot. Um, a bunch of monster hunters are getting together to honor the death of Ulysses Bloodstone, a infamous, some thought to be immortal. Monster Hunter, who has been using the powerful Bloodstone, this ancient gem that gives powers. Uh, yes, their last name is Bloodstone, and the name of the stone is the Bloodstone. Comics BS, man. Comics, comics it's BS. It's fine. It happens. Um, no, the Bloodstone, though, does give um, does give its wielder 
increased strength, extreme stamina, all the usual superhero antics and whatnot. Anyways, a bunch of uh, a bunch of monster hunters are getting together to go on one final hunt to see who will wield the bloodstone. While everyone's getting together, that is when Ulysses' daughter Elsa Bloodstone shows up. She is clearly been estranged. She left training with Ulysses for whatever reason, probably because Ulysses is a massive dick. Um, <laughs> to go live with his mom. Given the way his given the way his wife and Elsa's stepmother acts, uh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Also, just like not no joke in like comics lore, Ulysses is an asshole. Um, nah. So she comes back, uh, very much to the chagrin of her stepmom, who is just absolutely horrible. I loved hating this character so much. Um, they're all getting together. They're kind of explaining the hunt, yada yada yada. They're gonna put the bloodstone on the monster. It's gonna weaken the monster a little bit, but it's also going to piss it off. So be very careful. Um, they all go out one by one. They kind of drew like these weird dice things. Um, so Jack does go out first, uh, followed by some other ones or whatnot. Uh, Jack and Elsa run into each other. They're like Jack tries to not fight. Elsa's very confused by that, and then uh, that's when Joven shows up. We start off our one of our first fights. Uh, Jack takes off. Elsa fights, uh, and while he's running around, he gets pulled into a hedge. And that's when we meet Ted. Uh, he is the man thing, but he's called Ted in this. We will refer to him as Ted because Ted. They, they only and they only refer to him by Ted in the credits as well, right? He's not referred to in yeah, this he's at always all Ted. as man thing, which is perfect. And I love to like I watched this with subtitles just because I was watching it with the volume down because my wife was sleeping next to me the first time I watched it. And after he's given his name, the subtitles change from monster to Ted, which I think is great. Like Ted nice. grunts. I thought that was a fun little touch that they put in there. So shout out to you, transcribers at Marvel Studios. You've yep. done good. Um, yeah, we learned that Jack is actually friends with Ted. It has come to free him. He has a plan to blow up a wall and then they're going to get out of there. Um, I think it's this point where Elsa gets into another fight. Kills a dude. Um, yada, yada, yada. Uh, at some point, um, we see uh, Elsa and... Jack gets stuck in this super, super crazy, creepy mausoleum uh, with a bunch of uh, a bunch of coffins in here. This was like actually like one of those really cool visual moments to me of seeing like it was kind of dark in there. And then the light of the actual signs for each of the coffins it was super interesting to me. I also did not expect her to just break one of these open and start pulling out body parts. Um, but yeah, she realized they talk, they kind of get to know each other. We learn that, yeah, Ted is here to protect, or sorry, Jack is here to protect Ted, yada, yada, yada. Um, Elsa then, yeah, breaks into the coffin, gets a key, because her great aunt or whatever always thought she was going to resurrect, and if she was going to resurrect, she needed an escape plan. Uh, they, Elsa decides to help Jack, uh, making a deal of, you help us get away, bloodstone's all yours, I do not care about that thing. Just want to get him safe. Kind of cryptic as to why. We know why, though. Of course, he is a monster and the bloodstone hurts monsters. Um, so they go off and do their own thing. Elsa gets confronted by Joven yet again. When out of the hedge, uh, Ted shows up and brutally kills this man. It, it, it is. It's not even close. It's 
a great shot though. It's a, I love this and I love it even more when he just comes down through the ceiling at the end of this movie or special or whatever we're calling it. Um, at this point, Russell is, or Jack is trying to destroy the outer wall of the maze uh, and is having a hard time here placing the bomb. He's just, he just really sucks at it. And this is where we get a little more of the, the comedy that we are used to seeing out of the MCU of this like almost prop comedy. Mm -hmm. um, and it does take you a little bit out of that experience, but also it, it makes it feel like more of an MCU thing. Yeah, I was gonna say this really didn't work for me on honestly. Like most of the most of the humor in this, because it it is for all intents and purposes relatively funny. Um, but the humor of this one, like that slapstick humor, honestly just didn't hit to me. I don't know if it's wouldn't the feel, you put but... it on the crack, right? Like, like right away, I'm like, oh, there's a crack. Put it right in the crack. Is what I thought. That's what she said. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Oh my god, we I didn't even four. see that one coming. I'm so terrible. <laughs> I should have seen that. Yeah, that that is that's on you. Um, but yeah, he eventually blows up the wall, and Ted Ted and Elsa get there, and Ted takes off. That that monster has never moved that fast. Uh, he's gone. Uh, while he's running away, Elsa quickly hits him with this grappling hook rope grabby thing that is super cool, and I want one. Um. And get is that like a trade? Is that like a trademark Elsa no. tool in comics? No, because it does feel like it's like a family <laughs> thing, right? She she pulls it out of the friggin' ants tomb of like, oh, this is neat. Yeah, so Elsa like, like more of a trademark for her. At least comic book wise, Elsa Bloodstone's like trademark has really only ever been the shotguns, which I don't see them going that route in the MCU regularly. I so maybe this is her new trademark. It's also Grapple either cup. like those or just a crap ton of guns. Like just having a ridiculous amount of weaponry. She's always been one to have an arsenal, which is kind of where I thought they were going to take this was like, as she killed people off, she was going to take their weapons right, and build up that arsenal. Not just have the one, but I don't know. She can really have anything. Um, so anyways, uh, he takes off. We got the bloodstone. Jack goes over to grab it. But as he grabs it, he gets thrown back by its magic because monsters cannot grab it. Uh, that's when the evil stepmother shows up uh, with everybody else and is like, oh, very interesting. Um, she yells at Elsa. Elsa says it shouldn't be hers. She yells at him. Her. Um, yeah. This was, the, this was one of those more cheesy lines of like her yell when it went to black, but something else i love here is that they didn't like they set up earlier that oh the bloodstone will weaken monsters but they don't really explain oh yeah it'll it has this weird protective thing from the monsters so for those who don't know and are watching this when jack is violently thrown back from the stone they have no idea what's going on right and then they slowly explain why this happened or what's going on. And it wasn't one of those things of, we need to beat you over the head with these details before it happens so that you can see it coming a mile away. They're much more subtle with it than they have been in the past with the MC, which I really appreciated. Yeah, they actually thought that their audience might have just an ounce of ability to think. I was trying to what? say comprehension me think? No, skills. me no think. Me no think. We need to be <laughs> okay. spoon-fed every detail. But, like, for real, though, I was trying to say comprehension skills, and I forgot those words for a second, and that just was, like, the worst time when people be forgetting words. I say the irony of that is not lost on me. <laughs> um, anyways, we kind of, we have a fade to black here. 
Also, a very good moment, by the way, to just pause and use the bathroom if you have to. Just saying. Um, moving right. They've almost used an intermission at this point just to really harken back to those old timey films. They really did. Like you know, there's only about 15 minutes left in the thing, but they wait. Uh, Jack and Elsa wake up in a cage in a straight up just a bird cage, giant bird cage. Yep. Um, Which makes you think, what was in here before a werewolf? Was it a giant bird? Are you trying to harken to something? Because I can't think of any giant birds. I, in the I was trying to think of a giant bird in the MCU and I got nothing. Closest a I could was pterodactyl. But I already went to that. I already went to that well one too many times tonight. So Yeah. Anyways. Um, hard turn out of that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're in a cage. Uh, and they have this moment of like, hey, everything's going to be fine. I only transform during full moons. Next one's not for another like five days. We're good. Um, also it's like, no, you idiot. The bloodstone has the ability to trigger, to turn you immediately. They're really playing fast and loose with the bloodstone's abilities. Um, it does monster things. It's fine. None of this makes sense. It doesn't have to. It's all supernatural. That's why everyone thought Mephisto was showing up for the entirety of WandaVision. Yeah. I just realized I totally skipped over the freaking puppet of a, the puppet corpse. Oh yeah. The yeah. Ulysses making himself into an audio animatronic. Yeah, I love that. It's also just wildly effed up. It's like, yeah, my, I, I want my corpse to be made into an audio animatronic. I'm going to spend the next 50 years trying to convince my wife to do that for my funeral, and it'll never happen, but I will still have that conversation. That is crank-operated. That's the most important part here. So someone has to be there to spin the crank so that he can talk. He put a weird amount of planning into his death, I'm just saying. Although I guess I mean, it's like a kudos. monster hunter and that's kind of a thing you got to do. I don't know. Well, he lived for a long time too. So he probably had a long time to plan that. Okay. We also totally skipped over the line of I'll be rotting for you. That was very good. Yeah. That was, that was straight out of the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. Like hundred percent. It just, yeah. it, for me, it's like, oh, look, we're riding the haunted mansion. I, I was saying that it seemed very almost Disneyland was kind of my thoughts with it. Like they could put mm -hmm. this in the theme park and nobody would say anything. There you go. That's how yeah. they'll that's how they'll reskin uh, Haunted Mansion on the East Coast for Halloween. It'll be Werewolf by Night, and on the West Coast, they'll continue to have very long lines for Nightmare Before Christmas. That line, which do expect an episode on that soon-ish. Soon-ish. I think it's the our next plan is night. for that to be the next one, right? That, yeah, after this. After this, yeah, mm -hmm. I need to watch that. We I have had to watch plans. that anyway before our trip because Carmen's never seen it, so that'll be an interesting conversation to have. Yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to have that after you've come back from uh, from Disney. Unless we record it beforehand. I, I kind of want to record it after so you have that Haunted Mansion. But okay, if you think I need to have the Haunted Mansion experience, we can do it after. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll figure that out. That's not, that's, an off, that's an off podcast discussion. Um, let's see. They're captured. Uh, they all march in very ominously. They're all wearing these black robes and masks that they quickly take off to reveal who's who so that we know who's going to die when. Um, like why, why why are we at this BDSM party? Why did the masks have to even come out in the first place? And the eye makeup. I, I was here for the eye makeup. It just made this whole scene fun, more more interesting and more horror -y, but also I thought the eye makeup was funny. Um, right. Anyways, uh, they turn Jack. Jack kills everybody. This is great. But the, the, him turning, I think, is really cool because like, you know that if they had shown it, and they do show the hand start to transform and it's CG, 
but then everything else is this like stop motion shadow projection where you only see Elsa's reaction to the transformation, which I thought was really well done. Can can I say after finishing the movie that Elsa's um, uh, reaction to the transformation didn't seem on point with her character? Like she seems to be like a no, like a no take no shit type lady. And she's almost damsel in distress levels during that transformation. It just didn't seem like, especially with what we've seen her do and how we've seen her fight and how she even dealt with the um, Jack later. Yeah, I can see it. It didn't really gel. I don't know. The Elsa I, I just see, it looked great. It looked great. But the, the Elsa I know is kind of along that same lines of like comic book wise. Of, yeah, she takes no shit. She's used to this kind of stuff. And I think to a degree it makes a little bit of sense like elsa hasn't really gone and hunt mon hunted monsters this is her first time really seeing that at the same time she's trained her life for it so i can really go either way on it i kind of go skewed more positive though because it just looked it looked so dope yeah it was a cool looking scene there's no question about that in the transformation that was all real time too and how they did that apparently so yeah, I'm, yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait for the inevitable, like behind the scenes stuff that we get for all of the Marvel projects about this. So, oh, it, it's going to be really cool. I just want to hear. I just want to hear more about Michael Giacchino. Friends of ours, like uh, Nate over at Geek Centric, they did a an interview with Michael Giacchino. It's really, really good. So, if you haven't already, go over and check out uh, the Geek Centric podcast where they interviewed Michael Giacchino talking about this uh, special because it was it was really cool. Just hearing, just hearing more of him talk about the the creative process of this. It's really cool. Uh, anyways, yeah. Uh, where attacks everyone, we see the door closing, which interesting that like this door closing, but there's also just a side entrance over there. Also, just the the that shot where he's like hiding in the bust up on the wall, where they really play so with cool. color mm -hmm. tone because it's it's black and white, so you can't see him hiding up there. And no one else really looks that way. But, you know, if anyone looked that way, they should have realistically seen him. But just the realization that he's there and then the attack begins is just, it's so cool. It's really dope. Um, yeah, so everyone dies. Elsa's also fighting in some of this. She kills a couple of people. Um, in Jack, some pretty gruesome ways. She stabbed, or she like... One guy falls on his own sword. And she puts a sword into the head of that David Bowie wannabe. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, anyways, once most everyone is dead, Jack goes to attack Elsa, but we do have this moment of he does remember her after weirdly sniffing her for a little while, trying to get her scent. It, it was weird, but again, that gets into more of like the campy MCU comedy aspect of it. Also kind of makes written. sense because you know, werewolf. Yeah, yeah, but they definitely play with it more than you would expect from a typical horror thing, which I think is just more of that MCU ness coming through in the writing mm -hmm. uh but yeah he recognizes elsa and takes off through that side door um stepmother evil stepmom is still somehow through all of that still alive it is pissed that elsa let him go she's gonna finish the job herself and as she is about to kill elsa ted comes through the ceiling grabs her and kills her <laughs> yay ted <laughs> that was that mcu comedy moment mm-hmm um where's ted where'd he go oh he left already mm -hmm. you need to go catch him yeah no but honestly like that it's on on par for me of like the hulk punching thor in avengers and like that kind of bit like it was just yeah 
I want to like a, a cut, like a an edit of all of those kinds of jokes in the Marvel and just to see how many there are. Um, but yeah, she's like, oh yeah, Jack already left. He went that way. Ted's like, thank you, and takes off. Um, Elsa sits down in the chair, and we get this kind of fade into uh, color. The servant dude, whose name I don't remember, is like, yeah, I'll serve you now. And she's like, great, start cleaning this shit up. Also, just the, the use of Over the Rainbow there, the, the song from Wizard of Oz, is kind of mm-hmm. perfect, because like that film does also does a very interesting thing of playing with color, of it going from black and white in Kansas to color when she's in Oz and then back to black and white. And this kind of does the opposite, where it's color in the intro, goes to black and white, and then goes back to color at the end. So I love the use of that specific song at the end there. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was it was like it was kind of great for that like I mentioned earlier in the podcast of like that change to color is the very much the relief moment. And I think that music really played a big part in that relief. Also, it was great just hearing that as she's sitting there the dude's cleaning and then we cut to Ted or Jack waking up and Ted's made coffee with a freaking French press. <laughs> And they're going to get sushi. And they're going to get sushi, yes. Um, thus is the end of the uh, the end of the movie. Also, um, another funny thing was just as um, as Ted was leaving, he grabbed a jacket. He grabbed a jacket for Jack. Yeah, one of those hoods because he knows Jack will just wake up butt-ass naked in the middle of the woods. Yeah, he is, you know, a werewolf. And werewolves don't particularly tend to care about clothing. Yeah, just goes to show that they're they they have a fun like buddy cop relationship in this similar to you look at like rocket and groot and i feel like this is going to be another relationship on that level just on the mm-hmm. monster side of the mcu which i'm super excited for them to explore more of yeah and that is of course the end of werewolf by night safe to say we all enjoyed it definitely definitely safe to say go give it a watch oh 100 no yeah. reason not to it's sitting there on disney plus you're paying for it anyway Gives you more reason to keep that subscription now that prices are going up and they're adding the ad tier and people's three-year promotions are going to run out. It's almost like Bob Chapek timed all of this perfectly. Yeah, yeah. How much is it going up? Uh, I Well, I think in Canada, they haven't announced a price increase because they haven't announced when the ad-enabled model is going to come to Canada. But in the U.S., essentially the, ad, the ad-based model is going to replace the current tier and the new tier is what, like... Two or three dollars more a month, something like that, Griffin. Yeah, I think it's like a, a few bucks a month. It's not a ton, but enough to make you think. Enough especially to continue to pad the wallets of executives over at Disney. Enough for you to make you think, especially as Disney is uh, upping their prices on all fronts at the moment. So yeah, including the lightsaber, I'm about to spend more money on. Oh, did that go up in price? Yeah, it went from two twenty to two fifty. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of second guessing that now. Especially since when I made the reservation, it was still 220. Star Wars is lame. You're lame. Just going to say, Star Trek is way better. Oh, Nathan. This will be Nathan's last appearance on the podcast. Oh, no. No, we do. We we (laughs) don't care about the Star Wars versus Star Trek argument anymore. Do people still care about that? No. (laughs) Good content is good. True. (laughs) They're all, they're both ridiculously similar now, so. Now, we have reached the end of the Werewolf by Night, so we might as well wrap the podcast. Nathan, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Where can where can people keep up with you? Oh, God. I don't do much anymore. Um, yes, you do. Don't Twitter. sell yourself short. 
Uh, follow me on Twitter at the underscore NMAC. And I guess check out my Twitch channel, which I haven't streamed on in like two months because I've been very busy, well, with my new job and uh, didn't feel like streaming for a little while with the summer and my family off and everything. So I'm hoping to get back into that once I get the flow of my job down because it's a lot more work than I'm used to. That sounds terrible. A lot more work than my other job. Different work. It's like, let me readjust that in case they listen. Um, Mitch, where can people where can people find the show if they want to keep up with our antics? Before we get into that, I do want to say one last thing, and that is we have to say um, our condolences to the family of Angela Lansbury, Disney legend, voice mm. of Mrs. Potts and Beauty and the Beast, uh, passed away this week at the age of ninety three, ninety six. Yeah, wonderful long. Uh, storied career best known for her works in, in beating the beast as well as things like murder she wrote so um, and ben six. Is, and yeah great great uh, yeah she's fantastic in that with uh dick van dyke movie i grew up with for sure um so yeah just wanted to say that because it is something that happened this week and is uh disney adjacent so i wanted to to share our condolences with her and, and her family um but yeah the show can be found Everywhere at D plus us on Twitter. Griffin is all over the internet at Griffy D-Pad. That's G-R-I-F-F-I-D-P-A-D. I am found in all the places at Mr. Mitch George. Links to those at MitchGeorge.com. Yeah, thanks for that. I had totally forgotten to call that out. It really is. No worries. That's, that's what I'm here for. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and that's all we got, folks. Remember, there are other episodes of the show. We will be talking about Nightmare Before Christmas soon. I promise. Uh, we've also got episodes up about... Most recently, Camp Rock. So if you're into some of those old 2000 decoms, go check that out. We are talking about She-Hulk on the weekly show and Andor every three weeks. So go give those a listen as well. We will see you all in the next episode. But until then, have a magical day. Excelsior. <laughs>